Welcome to Sharpen the Iron Podcast, where it is my job to share with you tools, lessons, inspiration, and ideas to help you sharpen your iron mind, empowering you to go out and walk with God day by day to maximize your life. So today we're talking about loving thine enemies. So I'm currently reading The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene, and the second law is never put too much trust in friends, learn how to use enemies. And I want to talk about learning how to use enemies because this is even stressed by Jesus in the New Testament to love and pray for our enemies. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And there's a quote from Joseph Campbell where he says, Love thine enemies because they are the instruments of your destiny. The enemy is so often looked at as another person, something out there, someone who stands in our way. It's a person, but I want to mainly focus on is the enemy within, the tyrant in us, the serpent in our own heart, because we know that we aren't fighting a battle of flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12, for our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It is a battle of light versus darkness. Paul tells us to set our sights on what is unseen because what is seen is temporary and what is seen what is unseen is eternal 2 Corinthians 4:18 and I'm going to use another quote to help me kind of tie this all in together and this is from the Buddha a wise man recognizing that the world is but an illusion does not act as if it is real and so he escapes suffering we want to focus on illusion stressing the fact that the world is nothing but illusion these are all forms and this is what Paul is talking about, you know, we look and see the enemy out there in other people, other countries, other races, other religions, and other belief systems. However, it's all an illusion because the enemy resides within. If you look at a map of the United States, it shows the borders, the state lines, the county lines, even the townships. However, if you look at a picture from outer space, of Earth from outer space, there's no divide. There's no borders. We are all one. One people, one Earth, all united in Christ. You know, and we see diversity out there in the world and allow it to divide us. But ironically, we love diversity in nature. We look at all the colors, all the different types and kinds, and we love it, which is beyond me. We see different forms everywhere and everything. But what is seen is temporary. It's always passing by, always fading away. So it is nothing but an illusion. We must focus on what is unseen, for what is unseen is eternal. We must look past these mere forms because they are nothing but vehicles for the Spirit of God. The enemy's not out there. That's what I'm trying to get at. It is only within ourselves. Because if we see this, if we see the world through a lens of the enemy being out there then the enemy resides in you because the enemy is not the form. It's not what is seen. It is what is unseen, which is the devil, the great adversary. It's not me versus you. It's only me versus the enemy in my own heart, you versus the enemy in your own heart. We shift our focus then not to fighting some battle out there, but fighting the battle within. Because if you can win the war within, you can help others do the same thing. It always it always starts at the individual level. That's what is so stressed in America, the, the importance and freedom of the individual because the founding fathers recognized that that's what the Bible stresses, that it always starts. Jesus is always talking about how it starts in your own heart. It starts in you. And then from there, 
everything else comes together. The kingdom of God is within. It always starts in your own heart. So this is what we truly need to focus on. So what is the enemy? It's not tangible. It's not seen. The enemy is anything in your life that stands in the way of God. Just as the dragon guards the gold, stands in the way of all the gold, it guards it from the hero day and night. God is represented as gold, the purest and highest of metals. The gold is all that you could be, all your unlimited potential, all that is unseen, because that's God. The gold is in the world, the gold is the world redeeming elixir, because when you get the gold, it's not just for you. When the hero brings it back for his people, for his kingdom, and it allows the whole kingdom to flourish and prosper. And that dragon is a representation of the enemy, and the tyrant is as well. So the enemy, it's, it's fear, it's resistance, the status quo, our inability to let go, anxiety, worry, hate, self-sabotage, addiction, lust, pride, it's sin. You get the point. It's anything that stands in your way from God, from all that you could be from, protection, from perfection. These things, again, are not seen. They aren't tangible. My fear is not tangible. My addiction is not tangible. My hate is not tangible. My anxiety is not tangible. I can't hold them and show you them. They are principalities that are alive and well in us. They are in us. They're spiritual forces. So why should we love our enemy? Why is it that the enemy is the instrument of our destiny? Why should we learn how to use the enemy? We know that the enemy is the watchdog of the gold of God, of the world-redeeming elixir. And our goal as Christians is to strive for perfection. Christ said, be perfect as your heavenly Father. We are called to strive for perfection. Not to be perfect because we can't be, but to strive for it. We, why would you not aim at the highest thing? Anything short of that would be failure. When you aim at the highest thing, that becomes the adventure of your life. God is the highest of things, the purest of metals. He transcends all things. So, of course, we, have, we should, are called to strive for perfection. And pure for perfection can only be found in God. And our life consists of becoming closer to God. That's all that truly matters because what is, unseen, what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Why would we not cling to the things that are eternal? Everything in this world is fading away, passing by. I don't care. Your family's going to all die. Your job, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your health. It's all going by. It doesn't freaking matter. It's all passing away. We must cling to what is eternal because everything in this world, if you cling to your family, if you cling to loving someone else, if you cling to your job, your self-image, your status, it's going to let you down. It's fading away. Pure perfection can only be found in God, and our life consists of becoming closer to God. I bring this up because as you strive for perf perfection, what do you become aware of? your imperfections. When you strive for peace in your life, you become aware of all the times you're not at peace. When you strive for love in your life, you become aware of all the times that you're not being loving. So you become aware of all that which, all that stands in the way, all the ways in which you're impure. That's what you become aware of. You become aware of the enemy within and how he is having his way with you like a sexually aroused predator. God warned Cain, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Genesis 4, 7. The sin is the desire of the flesh. It's the enemy. We know as well that the sin, sin is an archery term, which means to miss the mark. And that's what happens when we sin. We miss the mark. We fail to aim and hit the highest thing. We fail to be perfect. 
So it's that which stands in the way of you growing stronger, more pure in God. And we know that God is always refining us, right? He's always trying to purify us. Isaiah 48.10, that we are being refined, but not as silver is refined. Rather, we are being refined through suffering, through trials. This is God's way of purifying us. Jesus says to love the enemy out there, but we must love the enemy within. I struggle with pride. I struggle with binging, with overeating, with fearing what other people think of me. I look down upon my gifts and what I have to offer to the world, what God's giving me. I, will, I allow resistance and laziness to beat me. I let go of my tongue. I talk bad about others. I worry about my self-image. I worry in general. I fear the world and not the Lord. And these are just the few of the stumbling stones I fall over each and every day. We know paradoxically, though, that the stumbling stones with God become stepping stones. One second, I'm going to take a drink. So where we stumble, we must dig for treasure because the dragon, the enemy, the stumbling stone, again, guards all the gold, all the unmanifested potential, all that you could be in Christ. The enemy then gives us solid ground to stand on. He keeps us awake alert, on your toes. He keeps you on the lookout because we know that he is crouching at your door at any moment he can have his way with you. This is so important because if you don't believe in God, you can at least believe in the enemy, right? You can believe in the pain of this world. You can believe in the suffering, the resistance, the lust, the desires of the flesh. That doesn't take much convincing because it's real. It's everywhere. However, it gives us a reason to depend and cling to God. It gives us a reason for God, why we need him. Without a worthy opponent, though, how will we ever be strengthened? And here's a uh, verse or quote from the Quran. Or do, ye, or do you think that you shall enter the garden of bliss without such trials as came to those who passed away before you? The garden of bliss, the garden of Eden, right? That's the unity with God. That's peace with God. That's harmony that's the perfect balance a garden is the perfect balance between the mother and the father both elements in this world right mother nature and father culture balance its structure and harmony it's just it's like the yin and the yang right the mother representing one aside the father representing the one the other side and they come together as one in perfect harmony perfect unity that's what happens in a relationship you're no longer separate you're one again that's what the garden represents. It's when you're one with God, you're at peace with God. So do you really think that you should enter that peace, the garden of bliss, without such trials, trials as came to those who passed away before you? These trials, the enemy we face reveals, they reveal our imperfections, right? So as we strive for perfection, we're faced with trials, which reveal our weaknesses, our imperfections, which is either a reason to give in and give up, curse God, or grow stronger in the Lord, cling to him even more, find strength in him. The enemy, it's going to tear us open. It kills and consumes us. It creates a void, which creates space if we allow it for the Holy Spirit to work within us, to transform us inwardly by a complete change of our minds. We can allow the Spirit to renew us inwardly day by day. And just like the phoenix in Harry Potter, it burns up and dies but from the ashes it is born again. It rises and rebuilds. It renews itself. This is the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit. But this is what happens when we go through trials. You can look at yourself as we're all 
a kingdom. We all are a kingdom. We're a state. We're a pyramid. But there's always, as you continue to go about, you'll find insufficiencies or you'll find insufficiencies in the foundation or in your ark. And so you have to, you can either ignore them, right? You can ignore the Holy Spirit. You can ignore your ins insufficiencies within, or you can allow the Holy Spirit to, as painful as it is, that sword, it'll cut you up, but it cuts you away from the BS and it gives life it allows the Holy Spirit to work within you, to renew himself within you, to make you new each and every day. And this is what happens when we go through trials, when we face the enemy head on and work in creative tension with the darkness. Again, the yin and the yang, it, it's the light, it's the white and the black, the light and the darkness. They are, they give life to each other. They're separate, but a little bit is in each, right? There's a little dot in each, but if you look at it, they're all one. They're working in creative tension to create something bigger, it, something that transcends, that transcends that image. It's an image that can really capture you. So it surely does kill us, right? The, the trials are going to kill us, they're, but it kills all the BS within. It cuts away our false self, our pride, our ego, our sin. It shows us what really matters. Paul tells us, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what truly matters. That's what it takes so long in life to understand what truly matters. When we're young, we get focused on the wrong things, our self-image. You know, we, we, get, we just are focused on materials, the world. We're focused on the world. But as you grow old, you grow wiser. It, it cuts you away. Life cuts you away from the BS. The enemy cuts you away from the BS, and God reveals to you what truly matters because just as that silver is being refined, we are refined through the suffering. God is purifying us through that suffering. We are born again through the redemptive power of the Holy Spirit. And I've said it before, this is the ongoing miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not a one-time thing. It's happening each and every day in your life if you allow the Holy Spirit to work within you. Constantly, a miracle constantly happening. This enemy becomes something to rejoice in and be thankful for because then, again, it unites us with God. And this, it's the cross we must bear. The cross is your suffering. It's your pain. It's a burden, right? The cross is a heavy weight on your shoulders. It's a yoke. But it's paradoxically the very thing that unites you with God, which helps you grow stronger in Him. It's where you find your freedom, your peace, right? Jesus there's two trees in the Garden of Eden. There's the tree of the knowledge and evil. Good. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then the tree of life. That's Jesus on the cross. Jesus is the fruit that he was nailed to the cross, and he is the fruit that hangs from that tree that we can eat from and find eternal life in. Find life in if we focus on what truly matters. So whatever you label as the enemy in your life, whatever is holding you back from God, rejoice in it. Be thankful for it. Embrace it. When I'm running and it's killing me, it's a time to rejoice and be thankful because without a worthy opponent, a worthy trial, I would never be able to grow stronger and sharpen my iron. Drive, dive into the resistance. Enter the forest at the darkest point because that's where, you, where you'll discover the Holy Grail. We have to go into the belly of the beast like Jonah, the desert like Jesus for 40 days, the well just like Joseph. These trials are destroying our outer person, but allowing our inner person, our soul, to grow and nourish. You know, you don't go and work out. And there's no point in working out if you're not going to go through some pain, some form of resistance, some form of trial, right? It's just that's how you grow. 
So we must learn to use our enemies, to love them because they give us life. They give us solid ground to stand on in God. We must work in creative tension with them. A wise man profits from his enemies. They help us build endurance, strength, and courage. Now, Paul again tells us, rejoice in your suffering because your suffering produces endurance, your endurance produces character, and your character produces hope. And our hope does not put us to shame because of the love God has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is real hope. You don't get better playing a team that you beat by 40. I remember this from AAU basketball. You know, you go out and you play a team, just you crush them by 40. You never grow from that. I mean, you probably actually play down a little bit. Even though we kill them, we play down to their level. And it's not even fun. Like it's, it's because it's not a worthy trial. You grow the most when you play a team and you lose by 20. That's when you discover something about yourself. That's where the growth of your soul lies. When you go into the unknown waters, the uncharted area where you've never gone, gone before, when you enter the forest at the darkest point, that's when you'll learn something about yourself. That's where you'll discover who you are. Because then the enemy is no longer the enemy, but a friend. If we realize he holds the keys to the mountain, which contains all the gold, which is God. The enemy becomes the gateway to the Lord, which is such a paradox. It is such a mystery. But that's life, man. You don't have to try to understand it. You just believe it. You have faith. You allow it to live and breathe inside of you. And if we continue to work in creative tension with our enemies, then the enemy becomes a friend and becomes that which unites us with God. That's your cross. So love the enemies because they are the instruments of your destiny. I appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed. Please let me know what you think. Feel free to reach out whenever. Keep living, loving, laughing. Keep sharpening that iron. And I'll see you next time.